Well, welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, where we are cutting through said hype. Yes, indeed. The hype of the fitness industry is a challenging thing to cut through because it's really easy to just kind of choose a side of something and say, well, this is right, instead of getting through the actual issue and trying to get to a, a higher truth, I would say. Mm-hmm. On that topic... we um, digging into posture today. Digging into that posture. The, the question as posed is, does poor posture cause pain? Mm-hmm. That's going to be a fun one. But we- first... How'd you feel about last week's? Last week's podcast? Yeah, let's talk about it. What did we get into last week? Kids? No. Massage guns. Oh, yes. Massage guns. Massage guns. I thought it was interesting. I liked it. There's so much hype around them, though. Major hype. The best part of this podcast to me is like talking about those things that are like super hypey. Hypey? Well, how are you going to cut through it if you don't talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because there, like any tool, there's a lot of applications. But when you look in, into the research on what they actually do and, and talk about the actual mechanism, it's like, well, downregulating the nervous system in a particular area probably isn't always a good idea. Yeah, it was just funny because they claim like to do ten things, and it does a little bit, but not all ten of those. Well, yeah, and it's one of those things where when you have a hammer, a lot of things look like a nail. <laughs> so it's you know i'm just gonna hammer this my tissue hammer, and hope my for hammer the best. can smash many things yeah bang 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 yeah so yeah i think that was good man what about the wins how are you feeling this week you get some wins i'm Big feeling okay yeah i got some new toys new toys for the that's a win the home gym garage gym toys for the garage gym toys okay what'd you get oh i got a ski erg and some sandbags and some other stuff. Just, you know, some playful toys. The garage is pretty full now. Got to stop buying toys now. Yeah, you get to a point where it's like, uh, if I get something, I got to get something. I don't know if you're the same way, but I like, I just enjoy having a variety of tools. Not, I like, I don't feel like I need them. I just like playing with different toys, different tools. Oh yeah, it's nice to have variety. I, I've gotten rid of a few things I had in my garage gym. Like I had an air bike and a rower at one point, but I was like, I can't give up that much space for that. Yeah. And also my wife told me that the, the air bike was too blowy. <laughs> oh, really? Too blowy? I well, thought yeah. you had the air bike in your bedroom. When I tried that and, and it was too blowy. You couldn't watch anything, couldn't do anything. It's loud. So we got a Kaiser bike and it's in the bedroom. Now we can ride while we watch TV together or whatever. And it's quiet. It's quiet. It's great. How do you feel about the skier? Do you like him? It has its place. It's it's a tool. Floor space is not bad. Yeah, the floor space is my favorite thing about it. Yeah. It's it's some of the least floor space that you require for a tool, which, depending on the size of your gym, can be a huge upside. Do you incorporate a skier into your... Not so much. No. No. If you you did, or would you if you had one? Hmm. I think I'm pretty stacked right now with my gym. I got to do some more. To, like to what I'm Similar saying is organization. I, I primarily like to use the skier, but in like for like short burst activities. You won't catch yeah. me sitting on that thing for a half an hour. That sounds like a whoosh, nightmare. Whoosh, yeah. whoosh. <laughs> mm, no. Well, yeah. It's you one could. Of those things. You could. If you like that, I guess. If you're into that, I'm not. <laughs> you're not about that life. <laughs> not about that life. So, wins for me. Ooh, I discovered something. Hmm. So on Saturday, I did steaks for my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. 
And then on Sunday, my parents did a turkey with gluten-free dressing and gravy for me. Oh. And I haven't had gravy for a long time because it's usually got dairy in it. And mm-hmm. I haven't had stuffing for a long time because it usually is Bread. not gluten-free. So anyways, my parents made all that for me. And I had these leftovers in the fridge. So I took out a steak. And then I put turkey and stuffing and gravy on the steak. Delicious. <sighs> Sounds pretty delicious. I could have eaten two. Really? It was... <laughs> It was a flavor sensation. I'm going to recreate that at Christmas. I've already told Sarah. Do you like Thanksgiving leftovers? Yeah, that was leftovers. I'm torn on Thanksgiving leftovers. It's almost like too rich. <laughs> like, I'm used to eating pretty like regular meal preps. So when I have like Thanksgiving leftovers for like four meals in a row and I'm just eating like turkey and cranberries and stuffing and it's like so much salt and like just so much flavor and variety, it's it's a, it's overwhelming. I do it one or two meals, so I'm I'm good with it. I don't I don't go crazy on it. Yeah, sounds like you're bringing home a metric ton of food. So maybe that's it. But too much. Leftovers. Okay, let's get into today. Uh, does poor posture cause pain? So this is a really interesting topic because you're going to get into into really controversial areas. So. I think the easiest place to start on does poor posture cause pain is to just say, what do you hear from people all the time? Well, I need to sit up straight. That's why I have problems. Yeah, I need to stop slouching. The big one. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think it's just that straight causation. And I'm not saying it can't be because mm-hmm. like you, you can run into people that have some pretty twisted posture and whatever. But I think the easiest place to start this conversation is to just say, okay, does form dictate function? Mm-hmm. So let's say I look at somebody who has a kyphotic upper back arch. They're hunched. You know, they have like an Igor hunch. A golem from Lord of the Rings. Uh, if, I, if I look at that person, do I know what their function is? That would be a yes or no question. I would say no. I would agree. When you look at somebody who's carrying themselves in a certain way, you don't know if they're stuck there. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Mm -hmm. So as we get into this, I think that it's really fair to say it's not just posture. Mm -hmm. And you can find examples for almost anything. But I think that the easiest conversation starter on this one is to just say, okay, form does not dictate function. Just because you sit a certain way doesn't mean that you can't sit any other way. Doesn't mean you have access to those other positions. Right. So... When we start talking about that, it's like, okay, form doesn't dictate function. So what's most likely going to lead us down a path? I would say a lack of function. And research is pretty clear on this one. Mm -hmm. So as we get into it, it's like, well, okay, so somebody sits slouched over. Is that ideal? Mm -hmm. I would say that we're putting more pressure on particular structures. Mm -hmm. So... It's like, okay, so form doesn't dictate function is the one position that I'm going to take. And then the other thing that I'm going to bridle that with, you know, like putting the little harnessy thing on the horse, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say good posture is a position of balance at rest. How do you feel about those two definitions? Good posture is a position of balance at rest. That's right. So that would mean like if you're sitting in good posture, 
you're not straining any tissues that don't need to be strained because you're not leaning a certain way and things aren't getting fatigued and tired. So it's the most optimal resting position is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Position of balance at rest, most optimal resting position. I think that those two things create the rest of the conversation we're going to have. Okay. So when you look at somebody, a lot of people think that good posture is you have to be totally straight and and what they'll demonstrate for me is a really lordotic lumbar position and they take most of the kyphosis out of their upper back and as they do that i watch them and i'm like oh man my back would be so lit up if i held like that for a long time yeah because what we're really looking for at the core is somewhere around the zone of apposition which is kind of the angle of the ribs lines up with the angle of the hips and they can sit at rest on each other yeah for instance if i'm sitting here and i go ahead and just shift my ribs forward I can feel a ton of mid-back strain. Yeah. And I'm more arched, which most people think is a good thing. But I can, if I hold there, my mid-back is going to be smoked real quick. It's already burning. Yeah. If I do the opposite and flex out and push my back rearward, this is actually more comfortable for me, which is why I probably tend to slouch a little bit. But I don't feel a lot of challenge here. But what I do feel is my abs starting to really lock in. Yeah. And I can feel that they have to be on. And mm-hmm. if I do that for a long time, they're probably going to be ticked off. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fair to say that if you choose a muscle and you you particularly bias that muscle to staying active, you're going to run into challenges. Yeah. It's like when I carry my three-year-old through the mall with one arm, by the time I get through, my one bicep is like, ouch. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's smoked. Smoked. So that's essentially what happens when we're in a posture that's less than ideal. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because when you look into research... You're going to find a few different things that I find very interesting. And one of the ones that I, I went into um, is published in um, Joint, Bone, and Spine in 2011. And basically, it was evaluating um, the strength of the trunk for people and its correlation to pain. And they were like, yeah, you know what? There's actually very, very little correlation. But... People that tend to be better are ones that have stronger spinal extensors. And what that would kind of lend itself for for me is being like, well, okay, so they can actually lift their chest if they want. Their spinal extensors are functional. They're stronger. They can do that job. Yeah. Weird that that's one of the most positive things that they found. Everything else was really poor correlations. Mm -hmm. And then as you get into like, okay, I, I looked at specifically three. I'm like, okay, so neck pain, thoracic pain, and lumbar pain, um, and posture. That's what I looked at. And the studies that I was running into are like, well, there's not a noticeable difference between different postures of extension and flexion, deviations from neutral, and pain. There's really, there's not significant correlations between people who are in pain and aren't and their posture. Yeah. Which it sounds like that's kind of open and shut. Well, it doesn't matter. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't matter. What I'm going to say is that posture can matter. I think, I think the part of that is when people think about posture and pain is they, they go into this position where they're like, oh, when I was 12 years old, I could do anything and sit any different way. But now I'm 40 and I've had a desk job for the last 20 years and I've been slouching for the last 20 years and now I'm starting to get pain. So is it a question of like, is it the posture is it the posture finally caught up to you and it's starting to give you pain or maybe you just don't handle stress like you used to? Well, it could be a lot of that stuff, but 
It's one of the most interesting things that I found looking at the research is that although lower back pain doesn't correlate with posture, if you turn it into subgroups, so subgroups being people that tend to flex more or people that tend to extend more, Mm -hmm. you're going to find on either side that people have more pain. But because if you don't put them in subgroups, it's like, well, it doesn't really correlate with just just pain. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of these things that's a little harder to find, but... So you're saying on both ends of the spectrum, like excessive flexion or excessive extension will both have a pain response? Yeah, at some point, it seems like... And then we can talk about causation versus correlation. Like, okay, somebody has pain in their neck and they hold their head like this. Well, is the pain from holding their head like that or do they have an injury at some point and that's how they protect it? Mm-hmm. And so there's that element to it as well. And a lot of lower back pain uh, will resolve itself in two to three months. And there's a high incidence of, of coming back. But when we look at posture in general, if we say form doesn't dictate function, if I see somebody sitting a certain way, or let's say, I, you know, a lot of the world's top sprinters have flat feet, but not when they run. Yeah. Their feet are strong and can work well, but when they're standing there, the way they express standing there is a really flat foot. Yeah which PS can be a really good thing for spring because if you can actually activate that arch, it can flatten really big. That gives you a long spring, right? Yeah. So I've even looked at that on myself recently with my feet. Like something I pay attention to a lot is breathing and like my feet lately and my feet are flat if I'm standing in a position of rest. But anytime I've looked at my feet when I'm under load, like deadlifting or lunging or anything like that, like the arch is definitely active in there. Well, and that's a, common response because if you look at like the big muscles of the body like the pecs and the lats and all that you strip that away and you've got all these stabilizers uh, your rotator cuff and your core and all these things that are underneath those big muscles Mm -hmm. and those are the ones that are kind of running all day yeah i reach out to grab an apple the stabilizers are likely going to be involved and i'm not going to have a lot of kind of primary movers working but the way that muscles function you're going to have for this particular task, here's what's going to work as a primary mover. Here's what's going to work as the stabilizer. So it's, it's important to note that when you're doing something that's low level, um, you're just going to be running off of like kind of bare ass minimums. Yeah. It's going to be okay. I've got some stabilizers running and stuff, but as soon as you get to a certain threshold of load, you're going to see more motor units kick in. There's a neurological response to that. And that's why you'll see your feet kind of come alive when you start loading. So you don't PR when you grab a glass of milk. Oh, I've done a PR glass of milk. Yeah, yeah. I think the PR glass of milk that I did, I took down four liters of milk in a sitting one time. Smash. Yeah. 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 So, but anyways, the idea is when we're just doing remedial type tasks, we've got our stabilizers active. And the, the idea that you stand with your arches relaxed doesn't mean that you don't have arches. Yeah. Like you can activate them and you do when you lift, when you run. You got springy legs. I'm a super high jumper. Yeah. If we if we throw that into slow motion, when you land, you're going to have a nice arch and you're going to flatten out and then recreate that arch really nicely. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is that form doesn't dictate function. So as soon as I have somebody say, well, I did a postural assessment and you hold your body like this. It's like, hmm, that might be part of the story, but it's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked previous to the podcast about the shape that people will take based on where they put their weight. Yeah. So if somebody puts their weight on their toes, if they left their back in an arched position, they would fall. So the response that they have is they go more kyphotic at the upper back to bring their weight back. 
And that's a response to the way that they hold their weight. Mm -hmm. So then with a kyphotic posture, if you have somebody that really doesn't understand the whole system, they'd be like, oh, well, you have tight pecs. That's why your back looks like that. Yeah. So just, let's stretch your pecs. Just to reconfirm for everyone here is like when you're saying like if you just if you're listening to your audio listener, if you're just standing there and you start leaning forward on your toes, there's going to be muscles that are start to burn and fatigue and get tired. But if you round your upper back and you're arching your back, that's going to create like a a, a balance mechanism to give you better balance. Right. That's, that's what the kyphotic position is. It's rounding the upper yeah, back. Hunchy. Yeah. Hunching the back. Yeah. And then conversely, if you put your weight on your heels, you'll feel like you're going to fall back. So how do you reflexively deal with that? You tend to arch. And put the twins out. Yeah, exactly. Get those twins on a job. Lift chest up. Yeah, exactly. So if we think about dance, you know, you see, oh, dancers have great posture. It's like, okay. So is that because their back is stronger? So we can kind of pivot straight into what makes great posture. Mm -hmm. So you see a dancer, let's say a 10-year-old girl that's standing in first position, that's toes out, heels together. You're going to see really high chest position, very low uh, amounts of kind of hunching the upper back, kyphosis. You're going to see a lot of extension in your spine. That particular person, do they have that posture because their back is stronger? Yeah. And I would be like, okay, some of the world's top rock climbers, they have this forward shoulder posture because their lats are so strong. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe just because they're used to kind of conforming around a ledge. But if they need to arch their back, can they? Yeah, they can. And just because they hold their shoulders forward, are you trying to say that the 10-year-old dancer has better scapular retractors than the world-class rock climber that can do a one-finger chin-up? Yeah. For me, that's a crazy argument to get into. Yeah. I actually really just like um, talking about that balance position. Like when people, because I've been in the industry for 10 plus years and I've seen people assess posture, but nobody's ever really correlated it to where you carry your weight and your balance, right? Like, I know, like I've seen people walk on their toes and I've seen people also excessively lean back, but I've never personally translated that to, well, they're on their toes and that's why their posture is like that because they're counterbalancing themselves out. Yeah, absolutely. The, the shape that you take is going to be a response to find balance. Mm -hmm. So, And you can also translate that if, if you're curious on where you're at with your posture as well, you can look at your shoes, I imagine, and see where your shoes are starting to wear out. Yeah, you could. And potentially translate and that to your posture. Gait is, it brings a whole lot more to it. So I would say stand with your eyes closed and just feel where your weight is. Yeah. You'll also notice when you're standing with your eyes closed, as you breathe in and out, you'll rock back and forth because your diaphragm's changing where your yeah, weight is. Yeah, I do know that. So something you could do if you really want to see that too is set up your phone and take a video of yourself and standing with your eyes closed. That way you can actually see where you're at afterwards too. Yeah. Well, and you'll feel as you breathe in and your diaphragm expands, you'll rock forward as you breathe out, you rock back. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's one of these things where your chest naturally lifts when you breathe in through your diaphragm and it naturally drops when you breathe out. So you're going to find this kind of rock forward and backward on your feet. Um, but that awareness, I do a lot of cueing of the feet for people that are Olympic lifting too, mm -hmm. because if you're on your toes, guess where the bars are likely going to go forwards. Absolutely. And conversely with the heels. So when we're dealing with that, it's really important to just kind of check in. And we're going to talk where posture comes from in a second. But before we get there, you're going to hear a lot of hype about how to fix posture. Mm -hmm. And fixing posture is a challenging thing. Um, what it actually takes to fix posture isn't actually strength. And strength can help, 
because it'll create awareness. But that's the real issue is awareness. That's what a lot of people think, though. They're like, oh, your shoulders are forward, so we need to stretch your pecs and strengthen everything on the backside, and we'll pull you back into good position. It's, to, a, it's, an, it's a muscular imbalance. You're trying to hurt me right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so interesting that people are like, oh, you just need to strengthen your retractors, and that'll pull your shoulders back magically because... I've done a lot of bicep curls. You've done some bicep curls in your life, right? I've done like three or four. But it's weird because your hands didn't stick up here. They didn't They didn't stay stuck in the top of a curled position. That's weird. Depends how hard the workout was. <laughs> yeah, you've gone T-Rex before. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's a funny conversation. Keep going. But residually, they didn't stay there. Yeah, like my biceps are pretty damn strong, but my arms are not constantly lifted up in this position stuck. No, and... And but I don't we, need to stretch the bicep and strengthen the tricep to bring my arm back to a straight position. But how come we think about the the shoulder blade like that? I don't know. Like you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, just do more retraction. It'll get your shoulder blades back. Yeah. Or my favorite, I'm a winger. I need to do more retraction. It's like, no, if you're a winger, you need to do protraction. You know how I can get that scapula to stop sitting off of your body? I can actually use your serratus anterior to slide it. Yeah. No problem. P.S., just because your scapula is winged doesn't mean you have a problem. I don't think scapular protraction is something that people practice in their training like generally. It's nothing that's ever concerned within bodybuilding. Maybe like maybe high level bodybuilding, but I'm talking like amateur to just your average gym, general gym goer. How often are they really focused on doing like anything that's like excessive protraction? Well, in general, scapular control is not well trained. True. Like if you think about the number one injury that a powerlifter gets is up from benching is supraspinatus tears and most of the time what you're going to see is the competition bench you're retracted and you're pressing and then it's like well i need to balance out my pull so that they start doing rows and and strengthening up the retractors and so you're strengthening up retraction with retraction and i understand you're trying to work the other side of the body but what about the other side of the motion getting the shoulder out of retraction and making sure you're still strong and stable outside of that one spot mm-hmm so what does cause issues? Well, I would say that it's easy to say that tonicity does. And tonicity is essentially you've loaded one muscle so repetitively and over and over that it's just used to being on. Mm-hmm. Becomes the workhorse. So if we say that, then it's like, okay, you take a posture where your head's consistently forward. Can we overload those muscles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. The muscles that hold your head on and the further forward your head goes, the heavier it is because you're creating a larger lever. Yeah. So we can actually create pain there, but I think that most of the pain that people has, people have is not so much the fact that they're taking a poor posture. It's that they've lost function in a particular zone, which is why that's the only place they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because the, the best posture as a human being is variability. We're not meant to sit still very long. Yeah, for some reason, Morgan Freeman quoted that your best posture is your next posture. Don't know why he did it, but... Morgan Freeman... Weird, right? Yeah, that guy voiceovers everything. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing if he just came in and took over? Yeah. Yeah, that would be. But are we meant to be still? And the, the answer is no. We've talked about this previously. Like even our venous system gets blood back to the heart with a system of valves mm-hmm. that require muscular contraction. So ideally, we're getting up and moving. And the ideal posture, sure, we want to find a position where we can be balanced and have... And what does balance mean? Well... A lot of muscles working so that not one single one has to take the load and do everything yeah i think that's fair but 
I think that a lot of postural issues is correlative with loss of function. So like if I hold my head forward, it's like, hey, stop doing that. I create awareness to pull my chin back, no problem. But what if you can't? Well, and that loss of function, just for the sake of conversation, if somebody is very stiff, very tight, again, you have an office worker who's been sitting down for the last 20 years and they're not an avid exerciser, so they don't access those other those other positions or other ranges, that's why they're losing it, no? Because they don't use it? Essentially, yeah. Like if there's if there's something that you aren't using and you don't use, it's unlikely that you're going to maintain it. Like there's, your brain takes a lot of energy. Like it is the most energy depleting structure that we have. And for its weight versus the amount of energy it uses, it, it's a ton. Like neuroscientists say that you, you try to do only like two to 600 calories worth of thinking a day, which is why marketing needs to be so simple and to the point and it works. Mm-hmm. So the brain is trying to conserve and it's like, well, am I going to keep all of these units in place if I don't need them? Yeah. The answer would likely be no. So the real issue with posture for me is do you have access to the other ranges? Mm-hmm. And if we want to improve posture, A, we need to identify what good posture looks like and what it feels like and why. And to do that, what's the first thing we have to create? Awareness. Yeah. And even when you look at the research on you know, people carry themselves like this. Here's their posture and here's how they feel. You were looking to some of that. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I, when we talk, like, I love the fitness industry and stuff, but I really appreciate the side of mental health. Not that I'm a mental health professional, but I, it's something that uh, resonates with me. So there was a study in Australia where they uh, did a study with like a thousand plus teens and they talk about text neck, which is essentially that forward head carriage posture because everyone has their phone, like heads buried in their phone. But it was a thousand plus of these teens, if they had this texting neck where their head posture was forward, they're actually more likely to suffer from mild to severe depression. And those kids who had a more upright posture or just better posture in general, typically were avid exercisers and suffered from less depression. Yeah. See, that's again, like when you look at the correlation, we've talked a lot about the neurological effects of exercise. And if you're balancing out serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and GABA, you're likely to feel better. And the way that you feel shows itself in posture. I think we can all agree on that. You see somebody that's having a good day, you can typically see it the way they're holding themselves. Yeah, it's a, there's, a, there's definitely a link between posture and the relevance to your emotional state and also pain sensitivity. Like people carry themselves like a different way. Yeah, absolutely. When you're feeling good, you can expect different body language. Mm-hmm. So somebody that's currently exercising that being correlated with good posture is not shocking to me at all mm-hmm. but it's really interesting too like looking at awareness a lot of times when people have lumbar issues it's going to be like oh they can't find their position and i've actually noticed this with my clients that have back pain they have a harder time organizing their core mm-hmm. but i found a study that was in the journal of orthopedic and sports physical therapy and they were talking about Um, the differences in asymptomatic and symptomatic people with lumbar pain in their ability to find neutral. And there was no marked difference between their ability to find neutral. The interesting thing about that for me though, is just because they can find a position doesn't mean that they're actually stabilizing that position well. Mm -hmm. So this whole posture thing, people get really sensitive about it and you'll actually see people go off about it. There's even whole businesses that have been founded on the idea that posture is key. 
Oh yeah, and so many marketing projects, like products to help yeah. you with your posture. They have those little shoulder strappy things to rip your like pull your shoulder blades back and hold them there for you. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of those are about awareness, right? And you then, feel tension on the front of your shoulders. Are you going to run away from that? Yeah. So yeah. ergonomic chairs for your desk, standing desks, all this stuff. Yeah, and what what we're trying to do is take load off one particular structure. We're trying to find that position of balance. But as a human, I think balance is movement. Like we're meant to move. Balance is movement. You should make a t-shirt. <laughs> well, yeah, we could make some t-shirts. Fitness or fiction. What balance. I was coming across is like with people and their posture, whether it's creating pain, like if it's creating pain, just fixing your posture, is that going to be enough of the solution? And then also for the aesthetics, because the fitness industry is heavily revolved around aesthetics and looking good looking pretty feeling attractive like if you're just trying to create like fix your posture for purely aesthetic reasons like what's the why like why are you trying to fix your posture well that's really what a lot of it comes back to like are you in pain right now no okay so why are we training this you're probably not going to keep training it if you don't have a good reason yeah but i've run into people in the past that they're bodybuilders you've seen me train some of these people and they can their posing looks pretty good but could it be better if they had more access to ranges the answer is yes mm -hmm. so what is the trump card for me the trump card is function some of the best bodybuilders are like my favorite from the industry anyways i'm not a huge bodybuilder guy but like some of those guys were extremely flexible even though they were huge like 300 pound monsters who are more flexible than me and you yeah yeah well and those people they can hit some positions that are very interesting which is important for that sport so what is the trump card? The trump card is function. In my view, the trump card is function. And it's not just can you get to a range. It's how well can you stabilize and live in that range. Mm -hmm. So like somebody that can't reach their arm behind their back. Well, if you can't reach your arm beh behind your back, then you can't reach your arm behind your back. Like that's how the brain works. Mm -hmm. You can't do what you can't do. Shocking, right? But if we can't get back there, our ability to retract is likely limited. If our ability to retract is limited, then we have to put more pressure on the structures that do the other movements of the scapula. Mm -hmm. And the ability to differentiate um, the scapula from the rib cage and, and uh, glenohumeral movement is very well correlated with better shoulder function. So this whole idea, you know, I've had people say, well, oh yeah, this person has forward head carriage. It's like, hmm, it's a bigger story than that. We need to assess what the neck's actually capable of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the FRC course that I took, one of the first things that they talked about was what can this person accomplish? Like if they, if they can't put their arms over their head without lifting their chest really high, they're likely going to have some lumbar pain when they're doing overhead squats. Mm -hmm. Like we need to assess what is their working space and are we living within that working space right now? Mm -hmm. Because there's really two things. If we can't get outside of where we're at right now, or we don't have access to a different range, then we're just going to use that ad nauseum and it's going to be a problem. Does FMS dig into that quite a bit? That's functional movement screening, I believe. The functional movement screen is meant to be kind of a baseline for injury. Okay. So Gray mm -hmm. Cook did a really good job of being like, okay, so what are a few measures that we can use to identify if there's a dysfunction? Yeah. And they use the overhead squat as a global indicator. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, put this bar over your head. And it shows us a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. We could see it with other ways. And Andre Ospina would argue that you, there's better ways. But everyone has their own perspective. And I'm not going to weigh in on their perspective. But 
Andreo would just say, listen, assess the shoulder for what it is. Assess the shoulder first. Don't put them in an overhead squat. Assess the shoulder. Whereas Gray is kind of taking the stance of, I can get lots of information out of this one thing. Yeah. I can see what's going on with the ankle. Shotgun versus a sniper. Yeah, exactly. And for me, I tend to be more on the side of assess the joint first before you put them there. But, you know, with a dowel, are we going to have any injury? I prefer to go rocket launcher. Yeah. Rocket launchers are always a good choice. Overhead squat burpees. (laughs) Yo. (laughs) What? That's quite the assessment. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's something that we need to get better at as an industry is figuring out, okay, can we teach what that joint requires first? Mm -hmm. And then can we start testing what it actually has availability for? Mm -hmm. Because in the shoulder, I'm not going to really start testing into extension and horizontal abduction and all that before I test rotation. Because at a ball and socket joint, everything is rotation. It's like, I'm just going to lift my arm forward right now. Well, that's a ball rotating on a socket. Like Mm -hmm. that, that is what the shoulder requires. So... I think that that's something we can do a better job of. And posture is only the way we're expressing ourselves right now. Can it be correlated with some things? I, I would say it's a pretty clear answer. The best correlation that I found with posture is actually shoulder pain stuff. You'll see a little bit of lumbar. There's a lot of studies that are like, there's no difference. But if you start breaking it off to like small dysfunction in flexion or small dysfunction in extension or a single uh, vertebrae not moving and things like that, then you can get correlations. But with shoulder pain, you tend to have a lot of correlation between posture because the T-spine is actually the ground and your scapula is the foot on the ground. Mm-hmm. That's where it gets to lock onto. So it's identifying its position. So like if I flex my spine, so my chest is pointing down and I try to lift my arms up, like this is how high I can lift my arm. And I have a good overhead position, but just flexing my chest means I can no longer get overhead. So is that likely going to overload this tissue more? Mm-hmm. For sure. So... I don't want to get all crazy and say, well, posture doesn't matter because it has its place, but I don't think it matters as much as people sell it to matter. Yeah. There was a good visual in one of the articles I was reading that had two circles and one of them was like, one of say like, mm, that's a bad example. I was going to say like, think of like the sun versus the earth kind of thing. Maybe not that extreme of the difference, but if you take like a toonie versus a penny, it's like people sell it as the size of like, oh, it's this big of a, an issue, but really it's only the penny size of an issue it's not really that that big like it's important and has value but maybe not as much as people get crazy on it yeah well i think that's fair to say because really if if you did a complex analysis and you're like okay so this is the person's posture here's all the things that they typically do and here's what their function level looks like now here's this person here's all the things that they typically do and here's their function i think you'd see pretty clear correlations for the most part so when people are wanting to correct their posture, say like forward shoulders, we're saying that uh, stretching the pecs and strengthening the retractors is not maybe the best route, vice versa, like having a forward head carriage, laying down on a bench prone and retracting your head for three sets of 10, maybe not the best approach. Is that what you're telling me? I think all of that has its place. You can, it is a, it's a small part of the actual solution. So should I have drills where I can find awareness of what is ideal for me? Sure. Absolutely. Should I just stretch? We've talked about that a lot. Stretching on its own is not going to get you where you want to go for the most part. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, listen, if, if I have tight hamstrings, I should probably be looking more into why those hamstrings are so tight. You know, is it, is it tasks that I'm doing? How is my hip functioning? 
Let's look at that. Mm-hmm. And then once I do that, it's going to be like, okay, well, you know what? After I checked out my hip, my internal rotation is relative garbage. I can't get there. Okay, let's let's free up the hip first and see how that goes. And when we start getting into these movements, it's you don't need to do a bunch of loaded stuff, but we should be doing things that are neurologically dense. So while well, getting my chin back, that, that's a great example. I, should I find awareness there? I would argue, yeah, you should. But there needs to be a goal and there needs to be some sort of identification of, the, of what we're targeting. So for me, if it goes outside of what I've learned to assess and I'm not really certain where things are coming from, I refer out. And when I refer out to somebody, I'm asking them a specific question. What is wrong with this zone? Mm. Is it even that zone? Um, so before we start identifying, oh, there's value in fixing my posture. It's like, okay, so why? Like, why is this a, uh, a thing that I want to deal with right now? And something I've dealt with a lot since COVID hit is people are saying, well, my lower back is a mess. Like, okay. Your lower back's a mess. What's changed? I'm sitting a lot. Okay. Are you moving less? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's start moving more first and foremost. And then we're going to start addressing the things that you tend to have a problem with. So let's assess what's going on. What did you lose? Usually the answer that I'm running into is that people have lost rotation in the hips first. Mm -hmm. And if we deal with that, then lo and behold, things get better. But assessing the joint to see what's missing tends to be the best way that I found at least. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to posture, does bad posture cause pain? I would say in most cases, no, but it's heavily correlated. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. I'll just agree with you on that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it sounds like we're petting the same dog a little bit. Like, yeah, obviously, it, I agree with you. I don't think. Uh, I think. I think poor posture can create great awareness of your pain. And I say that from my past experience with like my low back injury, being like if I. I noticed it the most when I went on vacation recently to Tofino. I went on vacation like a month ago and I did the 12 hour drive. It's a beautiful drive. No problem. I felt great. Best I've ever felt for a drive like that. Eight years ago, before I met you, I did that drive often and it was the worst time of my life because being in like a little, little race car and being in a slouch posture and having like my sciatica pain, like it created a, a shitload of awareness that if I sat in poor posture for a like extended period of time, it uh, created a lot of awareness on the pain and discomfort. So I think poor posture can create that awareness. Yeah, it's it's very true. And one of the things that you end up running into is as you get more pain in that zone, you protect that zone more. And it's like, well, so if I, so in your situation, you're you tend to have a kyphotic upper back because you're used to. You know, in martial arts, you had your chin down, your chest tucked. Everything's guarded. Yeah, you were guarding. And people with back pain, often they'll stretch their lower back. Mm-hmm. And they're pulling their knees to their chest and they get some relief for a while. And then it just comes roaring back. Yeah. It's like, well, those tissues don't need to be stretched. You need to work on those extensors and teach them how to function. Not try to deaden them and stretch them and lengthen them. Mm-hmm. You don't need that. What you need is the exact opposite of that. But... When you're in pain, what do you want? Relief. Yeah, and to that point, like with my back specifically, I was reaching a point where I like started babying it everywhere and I wasn't deadlifting, I wasn't like squatting, I wasn't training legs as hard. I was like, well, it's a bad pain day, so I'm just going to stay away from it. What I've found out now is even if I have a really poor sleep, if I slept like shit and my back's kind of like really jacked up, 
if I go and lift, it actually makes me feel way better. Like the chance of improvement after like a lift is like 90% that my back will feel better after sleeping funny. Whereas in my experience, most people who would have a poor sleep and that muscle, like say their back is jacked up, they're going to just avoid doing anything and just be easy on it. They're going to take a muscle relaxer or a painkiller or something. They're just going to chill out on it. If my back is jacked up, I'll go do some kettlebell swings or some lunges and things like that and bring alignment back to my system. And it feels way better. It is totally time to train when you're dealing with that. Um, one of the studies that I found, you know, you get really bogged in when there's one question you get kind of bogged down with, well, neck pain posture and whatever else. But one of the things that I started getting into was, okay, neck pain, let's see what it is correlated with on the other side of it, neck pain and recovery. And a few of the studies that I found were like, listen, it doesn't even matter what kind of exercise you're doing. If you're exercising your, your intensity and duration of neck pain is going to be less, you know, thinking too poor posture it can almost start turning into what came first the chicken or the egg because if if you're in poor posture and you're in pain it's going to make you miserable because it made me miserable which is going to exacerbate that poor posture and it's going to maybe potentially create more awareness of more pain and it's just going to oh man i feel like crap and you're just going to like lean into it even heavier well neurologically you get more of what you've got you know it's as you kind of focus on things it's like well focus on the good things and you're going to see them you've heard that stuff before it's like well the zone that you're in neurologically if you get zoned in on something you tend to focus more and more on it Mm -hmm. so there is there's some really interesting stuff out there about back pain neck pain and all that and actually looking at the way people are emotionally feeling about their body and that sort of thing and again i think that comes back to a few things and one of them is really not hocusy pocusy at all it's like okay um, I've been exercising and I feel better and I feel more confident. I'm carrying myself better. I'm actually, I'm in less pain. Yeah. And it also will distract you from that one zone. I sent this picture to uh, my chiropractor, Dr. Ray at Dynamic YYC. And it's this cartoon there where it's a doctor like looking at a book and he's like, here's the problem. It looks like you're paying attention to the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do think that's, that is something, but one of the things that I've noticed recently is that the way that people look at something is going to define their experience of it. So this is true of the, a few of the podcasts we've done. People look at BCAs as the answer and they go, I need my BCAs. Oh, I didn't have them today. I didn't have such a good workout. And the research doesn't really back that very much. And then we look at should kids lift? It's like, well, I think they shouldn't. And so I'm stringently against it. It's like, well, but the way you feel about it doesn't actually change the reality of the situation. So when it comes to posture, it's it's one of these things where I do think it's important. It is. And you're going to find the more specific research is on, you know, is somebody in pain and what's different? You're going to find some correlation between the way they hold themselves. But the challenge with that is what is their function level overall? And did their back pain start first or was it an incidence of injury? So to say that posture is the thing that sets them off. I'm sure that's the case with some people, but I think more often it's that people, they start sitting and things start changing because they aren't moving as much and they've, they start changing what the available ranges are and how much they're using it and all that. And then they become focused on it and it's like, oh, I need to stop this pain. I need to stop this pain. Um, it's like, oh, it must be my posture. It's like, well, maybe it's that you just need to move more. Like maybe you should check on the joints below and above and see exactly what's happening there. Because I had, I had somebody stand in front of my dad when he was in horrible pain, couldn't sleep for months on end. 
And this physio at a back pain clinic told him it's just your posture. Now I've seen aberrant postures. I have seen them. I've worked with them. I've helped a lot of people with back pain and my dad doesn't have bad posture. Mm -hmm. He has what I would call a pretty normal posture. Yeah. And this person just stood there and, and looked him dead in the eye and said, well, you know what? You're in such bad pain all the time and can't sleep because of your posture. Yeah. And I almost lost my mind. You punched yourself uh, in oh, the face. Repeatedly. But what we did was we got my dad moving. My brother started working with him on what he was doing for inflammation and pain management. And we totally cleared the issue. Mm -hmm. And you know how much of it revolved around posture? Zero. None. So I don't want to be biased. Everybody acts out of their own little biases. I'm not going to be totally biased and say that posture doesn't matter and who cares. But I will say form does not dictate function. And if we can actually use better ranges of motion and assess what our joints are doing and correct that, we're often going to be in a much better scenario. I think it's very challenging for people nowadays too to just try to tell them. If you move more, things will probably feel better because people, in my experience, Gen Pop, they don't like moving that much. It's hard to find avid exercisers who just love movement and love play. Like something I often tell people, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with it when I tell my clients, like, instead of watching TV tonight, sitting on the couch, sit on the floor and just move around and explore different positions. Like when I'm moving around on the floor or if I'm watching TV, I'm constantly just kind of changing positions and moving around and be like, oh yeah, even doing some basic static stretches, but often they're not a traditional stretch. It's more of just me leaning some way like, oh, that feels kind of weird. That feels good. Yeah, I'm just gonna, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Well, exploring what the body can do, it is meant to do a lot of very interesting things. And one thing that I have noticed is that people don't tend to care about movement until they've gotten to a certain point of losing it. Yeah. And you'll find the people that do, but for me, that's, that's been a very horrible truth some days. It's like, well, you know what? I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z, but I don't have it available today. Mm -hmm. And then it, it focuses you on what you don't have. So for me, refocusing on what I do have availability of and what I can do is a really important piece to the puzzle. So so if people want to, if posture, you're listening to this podcast, chances are posture is something that you're thinking about a little bit in your brain. If you're trying to correct your posture to cure whatever pain or whatever ails you might not be the best strategy is what we're potentially going after. I'm going to go ahead and say that the best strategy is to assess your joints and see what, see what they're capable of. Instead of just trying to sit up straighter naturally yeah. and stand up straighter. I would, I think it's fair to say we shouldn't just buy into blanket statements. And this is part of the reason we do this podcast. And it almost sounds like a cop out because it's like, well, I'm not going to plant my flag on that mountain. It's like, well, but no, we, we shouldn't just go ahead and accept marketing and blanket statements. We should look into them. It's like, well, I'm experiencing pain where, well, I'm experiencing pain in my lumbar. Okay. So let's, let's do our due diligence. Let's go see a good practitioner to check on what's happening above, at the joint, and below the joint. And a good practitioner will do that, and they'll give you, hey, listen, this is a structure that you need to worry about. It's something you need to pay attention. And when you go and do that, you're likely going to be in a much better spot. But for me, all I'm trying to say is don't buy into just blanket statement simplicity. 
don't do it. Try to get to a deeper answer, the real answer. And if you're doing something and it's not working, just go ahead and say, this is not working. So you can do what Curtis is saying, or you can visit my YouTube channel, Three Quick Tips to Fix Your Posture. Oh, you're hurting my feelings. (laughs) You know Um, what kills me about that? Five good exercises for the back. You don't know my back. You've never met. This is a different rant. I don't want to hear about it. You calm down over there. (laughs) Um, on On the side note of going back to posture, I think if you want to fix your posture for just purely aesthetic reasons, that when you look at yourself in the mirror, honestly, this is someone like myself. When I look at myself in the mirror, I don't think I have terrible, terrible posture, but my head sits a little farther forward than I would like, and it doesn't cause me pain, but I feel like it would just naturally have a more aesthetic appeal. If I was standing up straighter, I like to look a little sexy. Okay. You know? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. I like it. So the approach to fix that aesthetic posture, if that's something that you're interested in, because you look at yourself and you're like, oh man, my posture is feeling a little rough. From my experience or my knowledge, the best way to do that is awareness. It's painful, but like setting up like little reminders in your phone or like little objects or something that you grab or touch that reminds you like, oh damn, I should stand up straight. Oh damn, I should stand up straight or find a better position of balance. Well, and you know what? I hate to say it, but those little weird products that they have on the market now, like the one you put on your shirt, and as soon as it detects you tipping forward, it kicks you back. It's just like buzzes, and you're like, oh, hell. Those can actually have a really good place. And I'm not trying to be like, hey, well, buy them, $4.99 on my site. But I am saying... But seriously, buy them on his site. (laughs) I don't don't sell that stuff. (laughs) But what i am saying is you know what if you develop awareness of position so positional awareness you develop function around the joints meaning i understand what this joint is supposed to do and i have control of that entire range then you can start building capacity at that joint but for example somebody standing up in a deadlift how many people do you coach in a deadlift and instead of a nice and long neck position you're seeing this really arched kind of neck position it's really hard to express strength there Mm-hmm. So little pieces like that to your lifting, if you have a good coach to cue you on, you know, this is how we line up to use our body the best and um, amortize the force over as many tissues as possible, that is going to be step one. So it really awareness, develop function at the joint, and then you can actually just let it perform and it's going to be great. Cool. Well, I think we answered the question kind of, it's a big maybe depends, you know, half, six, seven dozen of the other. I'm going to say that it's fiction that poor posture leads to pain in most circumstances. I'm going to plant my flag there. I think in most circumstances, poor posture correlates with pain, but I don't think that it's causative most times. You kind of planted your flag in the water, but that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Cool. Well, that was interesting. I like uh, my biggest takeaway, I think, that I enjoyed was, you know, movement is balance for your body. Movement is medicine, motion is lotion. That sounds dirty, but you know. Todd Durkin says it. It can't be dirty. Motion is lotion. Yeah. It's good. Sweet. Well, if you guys have anything you want to add or ask us, hit us up on our Instagrams, coachkurt.h. That's right. And eric.berg. We'd love to hear from you and talk to you. We're probably going to go make a ridiculous reel on this now, maybe. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next week. Pew.